Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bikini Podcast. This is episode number 35 and today we're with Emily King, WBFF Australian figure champion. Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. First and foremost, how old are you? I am, well, just put me on the spot, I don't really know. I'm like, I think I'm like 28, 29. 28, you're, everyone's so young, I feel so old, I'm 32. I actually thought that I was getting on there, so. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely fine. So how long have you been training for? Um, I've been training since I was 16, so nearly 11, 10 years. Oh, wow. And well, when, when was your first yeah. contest? Um, it was when I was 21, and I started, started like actually doing it at 20. So first one was an IMBA, and I did eight back-to-back at that stage. That was a, a big two years for me. <laughs> Oh, wow. So IMBA, and, and how did you go in your first contest? I actually won. So I was like, I was in fitness and I always had like a really like strong physique and big quads as I still do now. Yeah. Um, obviously not as lean as like what I ever have, but looking back on photos, like I, I did pretty well for my first comp. I actually had no idea what I was doing. I didn't even have a coach at that stage. I just kind of looked at stuff on bodybuilding.com <laughs> all night long on night shifts. That is so good. Were you on the forums back then? <laughs> On the, oh, they were like going off. No, yeah, they were going off. Kind of through them. Through them. Yeah. It was like the best thing ever because all, nah. um, like Lane Norton stuff was all up there. So that was what I was pretty much following through my comp prep. That is so good. It's, it's funny because um, I always tell everyone like, oh, where'd you get you know, your information or knowledge from? And I say, Lane Norton was my first coach, first and only coach mm. actually. And yeah, he splits for natural competitors and just his knowledge of, you know, hit training. Were you a big fan of hit? No, 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 you didn't do that. Like, but I actually oh. haven't looked at, no. No, that's something that, yeah, Lane was like the first real coach that was like big advocate for HIT. So like, I was like, what is HIT? Like interval training and like, you know, sprint slow, sprint slow. Yeah. And um, that's something that I definitely implemented then and I still do now. And I feel like it works really well. So it's like, when I think of Lane, I think he likes to live heavy. He's really good with nutrition and he loves his HIT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so, and it's like basic, you know, all of his stuff is just basic and keeping it simple and i loved his i did like the contest prep the ebook that he did back ages ago and it was like on like you know not to worry too much about water loading sodium manipulation it was all that kind of stuff that i still even like you know think about to this day when i when i do my own comp preps and everything like that exactly like the i think with him the first thing that i think uh we mentioned when when i did the contest my first ever contest was we're not changing anything troy i'm like what i'm like okay like you're the boss and that I think most people do fall into that trap. So I guess before we continue on, um, I might as well get to that. What are some of the mistakes that you find that people make in a contest prep, particularly in a peak weekend on show day? Changing too much. Like if you're coming in good and you're lean and you're ready, like why do we need to change it? And that's kind of putting at competitors at risk of things going wrong. And you see it so much, you know, you see all these, you know, not to generalize, like bikini girls coming into a comp prep and, and their coaches are like, now we're going to cut water. Now we're going to load you up. Now we're going to cut salt. And you're like, why? <laughs> like, you know, if, like what we actually tested on ourselves last prep and we tested the not doing anything different things. Like all we probably did was cut out a few artificial sugars and stuff like that coming into the two weeks prior. But, you know, we kept in everything that we had been doing the entire time, including like cappuccinos and things like that. And yeah. it came down to like, if you're lean enough, you're ready, you know, and if you're not lean enough, maybe that's when you need to start putting in some different stuff. But, you know, you can't, you can't cheat being lean when you're coming into Ooh. comp. So 
I think the the more things that people implement into that peak week, the the bigger risk of things going wrong. So, you know, my thing is like, yeah, just don't change too much. Keep it simple. And are you a yeah. fan of like during peak week, what type of training do you do, if any? And are you a sort of a fan of doing a lot of cardio back off? Because you mentioned keeping it consistent. Are you a type of yeah. the athlete that is ready before the show and then just cruise in or what sort of visual recommendations? <laughs> I've been all types of athletes. Like um, I have been the person that was like, you know, four weeks behind and just flogging it coming into comp. Yeah. But I think like the last comp was probably been like the best one. I think like after years, you just start putting bits and pieces together and going like, this is, you know, how it, how it feels and how it works. But then like, again, if you do a next comp next year, everything might go differently. So, you know, things aren't the same each year to year. But I guess like with training, what I do is I just listen to my body. Like I'm really intuitive about how my body feels, if I'm getting enough sleep, if I'm recovering enough. I'm not obviously going to go flog myself if I'm exhausted because that's just you know silly. But obviously in comp prep, being at like an elite level, there is a point where you're like, no, I need to push through at this stage. Yeah. So it's like equal parts, you know, you need to work and equal parts you need to rest. But Training wise, like the last week, I think usually we cut it back to about three sessions and we just went in to move our body pretty much. It wasn't like we weren't, we weren't going in to make any gains because obviously you're not, but you're just going in to move stuff around your body. Yeah, definitely. So I want to go back to, you know, when you first competed, so you said you were 20, 21 years old, you know, what first inspired you to compete? Honestly, seeing people like Daniel and Bailey and Nicole Wilkinson and things like that were my huge motivators. Like I remember flicking through like magazines and seeing them and being like, how do these women look like this? Like this is actually insane. And then I, I started going to the gym with my mum, and then I, I swapped gyms to go with, with my friends. And, and I was just really, I took to exercise like easily. It, it felt good to me, you know? So, and it was just like, I love training. I love pushing myself. I loved like looking at my shoulder and being like, Oh, there's muscle there, you know? And, now I grew up with a pretty big eating disorder for you know a lot of my younger years, and this was the thing that kind of gave me a lot of stability and control in what I was doing. So that was a huge driving factor as well. It was like a control mechanism for me. Yeah. So how how important do you think you know mental health is for not just okay? We'll talk about athletes, but also outside of athletes, you know, looking to get into fitness. It is like the the foundation of your success, or you know, it's, it's a linchpin of whether you're going to get results or not. You can't, you know, have, you know, it's not about being like mentally stable. I don't think anyone is like 100% mentally stable. It's about, you know, being, you know, mindful. It's about having a really strong routine. I, it's something that I try and preach my clients all the time or all people on Instagram, like you need to have a really good understanding about yourself and how your body moves and how your mind works and your daily habits before you try and do anything drastic because it's not going to work, you know? So, you know, mental health is something that it's so important. It is, it's like the, the driving factor behind whether you get results or not. Yeah. I completely agree with that. So going back to the eating disorder, you know, when you did have that, you know, for people that are listening that might be going through something similar, what would be something that you would recommend for them to, get to where you are today on the other side um i guess it's like something that you know you can never fix and it's something that like if people are like oh just you know get over it and it'll be fine and like that whole it'll be fine thing is probably the reason why a lot of people are in the situation they are um i guess like to get to where i am now it's taken a really long time of self-discovery and self-awareness but also 
reaching out to people when I needed help. And, and I think the biggest driving factor behind like why I'm here right now is because I was aware of what I was doing. You know, you can't just keep going. Like I, I, it's identifying like habits, fixing those habits and moving forward. Because I think so many people like just allow like day-to-day things happen or habits come up and they, they brush them under the rug or like with binge eating and things like that, they just allow these things to happen get in themselves into that situation again, it happens again, but they're not actually addressing why they're there in the first place. Yeah. Um, so like, that's the biggest one, identifying the habits that you need to change. And that was the big one for me, like binge eating. I would get to the weekend and it was a mindset thing. It was, I was doing Monday to Friday strict and then you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I was like, go crazy. Like I can eat anything I want. And at the time I didn't think it was a problem because, you know, my partner was doing it as well. So, you know, it was, it wasn't an isolated thing. I was with someone else doing it. But then I realized like once I sat back and I was like, I wasn't getting the results that I wanted. My skin was awful. My mental health was awful. Like, and then I was like putting things together. I'm like, Oh, it's, it's me. You know, like this is a habit that I've been doing over and over again to myself. And I'm not actually aware that I'm doing it. So yeah, that was a big one. Self-assessment is so important. And um, I think, Mm. you know, it's, you're right. Like progress happens, not just immediately, but every day. And then sometimes it takes for you to reflect on what you've been doing to understand, hold on a second, this isn't the best way to go about things, or you may not be feeling good about yourself. And, and at the same time, sometimes it's hard to self-reflect. And I think perhaps that's where, you know, other people come into the situation that can help you. And, you know, I definitely think seeking help or having a conversation with friends, family member, or if it's a professional definitely will help put you in the right direction. And, of course, no one wants to do that. No one wants to be vulnerable. But I think in order to grow as a human, you have to be vulnerable to be willing to, to progress and to move forward. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think that reaching out is really hard for a lot of people. And I, I have a lot of women in my coaching that, that do struggle with eating disorders. And I think I, I draw them to me because of my past and everything like that. But it's like they, I know myself that I was in that position going, I want help, I need help, but I never actually did anything about it so like when you know my girls say like I need to speak to someone I'm like okay well we're booking an appointment we're gonna do that like don't just don't just say things we need to actually act on it so you know action is a big thing a lot of people don't want to act on it and I understand it's scary like you don't want to identify as someone with an eating disorder as as much as it is something that we talk about a lot now like I still think people think it is a weakness you know but it's not like it's just something we need to work on yeah, that's fine. You mentioned coaching. So how long have you been coaching for? Um, I've been coaching since I was like 22. Yeah. Mm, it's been getting along for a while. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so I was doing nursing before that and then I went into coaching. Really? What, what made you initially get into nursing and then perhaps you found that it wasn't for you and you wanted to move on? What was the deciding factor? Oh, coaching, nursing. Oh yeah, nursing. So I... Uh, my mum's a nurse, so like it kind of just ran in the family. But again, I love people and I love helping people and I love changing people's lives. So I did nursing like straight after uni because it was something that I, I didn't want to have time off uni. I, I knew that if I wasn't going to go to uni straight away, I, it wasn't going to happen for me. Like I would have just been one of those people that are like 50 years old and hadn't actually done, you know, any certificates or anything like that. So I was like, I need to go get this done. And I loved it. Like I did nursing home for like three years during uni. And then I did ICU for four years post uni. 
and it was something and it's still something I love and I do teaching I was doing nursing teaching probably a year and a half ago but with coaching it's just got too busy to do both so you know nursing took the back foot but I stepped out of my like my favorite job when I left my hometown in Rockhampton so you know, I went to Townsville and I was working like an, in an agency and I just didn't love it as much as I wanted to. So yeah. I just started pursuing more of the coaching thing then. Yeah. I suppose it's, it, they're both very similar because you are serving people and helping others. Would the whole, you know, mental health side of things as well, com- combining that with developing your body, is that something that you found really helped made you, uh, make that decision for you? Like, the, like the, how they kind of come together? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't think that a lot of coaches or PTs out there realize how pivotal they are in someone's health or how pivotal they are in someone's, you know, mental health, their physical health, their future. Like what we're doing now for, for clients is going to either help them or really fuck them up, you know? So we have to, it all goes together. Cause I'm, I'm such a big, like, preventer of chronic illnesses and these big things that people think that are old people diseases but they happen to us you know it's it's what we're doing now that it's going to prevent that so you know it's a huge thing so that's what like my coaching is primarily based around gen pop um regular people just wanting to get them happy healthy and fit you know so that's, that's yeah. my coaching. <laughs> uh, I like it. And I mean, that's why anyone gets involved in the gym and fitness to begin yeah. with. I remember when I first started, I was like, I just want to look good at the, at the beach and feel good about myself. I think feeling good was probably number one. And then obviously looking good was number two, but they both go hand in hand. So I completely yeah. get that. What is your long-term yeah. goal with coaching? Like, where do you want to take it and where do you see it going? <laughs> it's a big one. I was like, should we try and mark about this? I mean, not mark, Matt. Um, about this but it's like we don't I don't even know how I got here five years ago so like (laughs) to know where I'm going to be in five years I guess like I want to still be doing this I want to be able to scale our business to a point where we're able to reach more people but still in the really same genuine way that we're doing now like it's never been about quantity for us it's always like it's always been about the quality of my coaching and, and being able to share my experiences with people so you know, if I could, I wanted to like eventually one day own a little studio that was more for just like my, my own selfish reasons. But like, I would love to open like a rehab center where I could have physios and osteos and things like that working in in an area where I could have my clients and things like that. But you know, I just love to keep doing what we're doing now. Like I just love coaching and I can't really see myself doing anything else, just scaling it different really. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. So I want to go back to bodybuilding for a second. So you spoke about, you know, you've been competing for a while. You know, when did you first go to WBFF? So you went from ICN. Were you competing in IFBB at all? Or was it just straight jump to WBFF? No, I went ICN to NABBA to WBFF. Ooh, what what were you doing in NABBA? I just, it really does. I was living in Townsville at the time. There was a comp in Mackay and I was like, you know what? I'm going to try NABBA. And at the time it was WFF NABBA. And I was like, I'll give it a go. And I went and figure because I had won my last figure competition in IMBA and they're like, you're too big. And I was like, how? Um, <laughs> how is <laughs> so that like, possible? I have nowhere to go from here. Yeah. You're so either I had to big. take my... Yeah, so I had to take my shoes off and do like bodybuilding and IMBA, which I don't even think they had at that time, which was I, yeah, IMBA at that time. Yeah, and then I went to WBFF because it, like, Nabal, 
it was fine. It's just, it wasn't, I'm a, I'm like, I like drama and, you know, fluffy things as well. So that's what drew me to um, WBFF at first. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely get that. I think, you know, with respect to NABBA, that's not my style either. I do respect the athletes that compete in it, but I think yeah, yeah. WBFF would be my first choice if you're making the comparison. So I definitely understand that. Yeah. So, so at what point did you, you know, start your WBFF career and when did you win your pro card? Whew, I'm really bad with dates, but I'll give it a whirl. It's probably going to be really wrong. That's okay. So I think it was 2017. I um, did my first show in in may i think it was or october either one of those and i got second in that show i realized that i had done like icn posing the entire time on stage and oh, this is yeah. probably why i was so nervous and it, it was a really short prep it was like six weeks or something i just i was really bad at prepping at that stage in my life you know i was this is like the you know cut calories heaps of cardio messed yourself up that was me yeah so i still looked fine but I came back the next year. I actually got like a coach then. So I went through a few little coaches here and then, but nothing, no one that I really resonated with and stuck to. But yeah, I stayed, I got a coach and then I did the show the following year. So 2018, I think. And then I won my pro card then. Mm. And then, so you Mm. did that show. And then when was your pro debut? Um, It was in Vegas the, the year after. Yeah. And how'd you go there? I got second Oof. in that one. So Asha beat me in that one. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that. I was like, hold on, that was Asha. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then, after, <laughs> and then after that was your next show, the October show. Yeah. Yeah. That was my last. Yeah. And you, and you, and you won that. Actually, I, I went to that show and I was, cause I've never seen you compete in person. And when yeah. you walked out, I was like, okay, well that's over now. It was that, <laughs> <laughs> it was that, it was that simple for me. So looking at the results that you had, winning the Australian title, you know, what improvements do you think you need to make to, you know, move up to the next level? Honestly, that was like a dream prep. If any prep could be amazing, it was that one. Obviously it was bloody hard. Like it was the leanest that I've ever been in my life. It was longer than I've ever had a prep before. And that's probably why I was, that's definitely why I was leaner than I have been. I just had more time, you know, I had more time to do refeeds and diet and stuff like that. To step up to the next level, like, I just think I want to do exactly what I did last year, but just a little bit tighter on my macros and my food quality. Like I know that that's a place where I can always improve. Yep. So how long did you prep for with that show? Um, I think it was like in the end, like 23 weeks. Yeah. Like from the start of like, yeah, I don't Uh, really, it's weird when people ask me like how long a prep is like, cause I feel like I'm doing this all year round, you know? So, yeah, you're just um, yeah, you're you're, you're <laughs> on diet all year round, and you're like, okay, I might just slowly get into a deficit. Start, and yeah, training that's exactly like yeah. Would your training be the same in let's call it off season versus in season with prep? Does it change? Yeah, much? yeah. No, it doesn't change too much. Like I do my training through Mark Carroll, so I get him to do me up like a plan, and usually we go through phases of like hypertrophy, functional hypertrophy, and then maybe a little bit of strength, but I'm not like it's just not my thing like I love to train because I love a certain way that I train and to do strength is like it just mentally fucks with me you know like (laughs) just sit there and be like and now I have three minutes rest like I just can't do it so I try really hard I give it a whirl but it doesn't last for long I probably do like three or four weeks of like a strength block kind of thing and then you yeah you you prefer to sort of keep the intensity up you know what would be your 
you know, average, let's say, rest in between sets if you're just going balls out? <laughs> Probably like a minute or maybe yeah. a little bit more. It depends. Like I just, I've always just listened to my body. So many people are like, what do you do for your training? Or like, mm. You know, what have you done prior to probably two years ago? Like I started doing really structured training probably about two years ago. And that seems like crazy to people, but I, you know, I've researched a lot and I, I try out a lot on myself and um, I would go in with an idea of what I was doing, but you know, sets and reps and rest, I would always, I, I'm, I just listen to my body. Like if I'm you know, bugged that day, I'm not going to go in with a plan and be like, I have to do this. I want to enjoy every training session that I go into, you know, so like, you know, it sounds silly. And then I went to a, a seminar, like not long ago with Ben Polowski and Milos Gave. And I told him that I'm like, I just train intuitively. A lot of the time, like I, I have an idea of what I want to do. And he's like, that's perfect. You know, like you're pretty much like monitoring your HRV, but not without anything. So you know, it was important for me to hear that because so many people like, especially in this industry, you're like, you need, you know, structure and you need to do this, this and this and here's your sets and reps and you have to do this. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I completely agree with you. I think, you know, for most people, they do need structure. And, but when you mm. get to a certain level where you have a really good mind and muscle connection, you know what weak points you need to bring up. You're the type of person that's going to select things that are nasty to do in the gym and are challenging and that are going to bring up your weak mm. body parts. So if someone's at your level, I mean, I think, who was it? I think Jay Cutler said that he did the same thing. He never even knew what he was going to train that day. So sometimes he would be like, okay, I trained back yesterday. I'm training back again. Cause back was his weak point when he was going against running Coleman yeah. back in the day. But um, yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys are very intuitive. So it's interesting that you are as well. Is that something that I know this is like, it's very hard to do, but would you encourage that with clients if they're at that, a certain level or do you like, no, I need to, I need to give you some programming. Look, it's like, I kind of do both. Like I, I educate them around being intuitive about their body. I, I educate them around knowing when to rest. I educate them around like, you know, it's about joy. Like movement is joy, you know? And I think so many people, if we make them do something, they're not going to want to do it. So like I always say, if you get to a session and you don't want to do that session that I've told you to do, do something else. Do something else that makes you happy because the benefits of, you know, reduced cortisol because you're doing something that makes you happy is going to outweigh pushing through and hating a session and then going home pissed off, you know? So yeah, it's something that like, I still educate them around. I think just letting people know that it doesn't matter sometimes if you're doing a weight class or you're doing a Les Mills, like movement is movement, you know, and, and it should bring joy to you. So that's yeah. my big thing for my clients. And I want to go back to that Milos and Ben Pukowski seminar. So for anyone that's listening that don't know them there, Milos is an old school IFB pro and Ben, yeah, Ben's retired as well now. So he's the yeah. IFB pro bodybuilder. What do you think, you know, from that seminar is something that you took and you've learned, okay, I really need to apply that myself. A lot of things. Oh, like there was a few really big things. Breathing. Ben's really big on breathing, meditation, as much as like you look at him and be like, no, you're not. But it was nice to hear it coming from someone of his stature mm. um, saying how important it was and, and the relationship to parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system and all these things that I had really overlooked. And, you know, especially for big dudes and I'm talking about like my partner, like for them, it's like push, 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 push until you're dead. And if you're not pushing, you're an idiot and you know, you have to be hurting. You, you know, who cares if you're not sleeping? Like that stuff matters, you know? And that's why, the people at the top of their game are there because they're caring about these things that, you know, a lot of people don't care about. And that's like, you know, sleep, breathing, 
mobility, like all these things that are like girly things, you know? So that was a big one just to get that reinforced to me. And I love Milosh's training style. Like he just loves giant sets and thrashing it. So it, it gave me like, it came in a really good time. I was like in a really big lull with my training and I went there and it was just like, come back. (laughs) But no, it was, it was good like that. But the whole, like this, Yin, yin and the yang like was a big thing for that seminar just to yeah. hear it both of them are very i would say highly detail oriented and milos yeah milos is a big fan of giant sets so for anyone listening giant sets uh let's call it consecutive exercises after one another with maybe 10 to 15 seconds rest or as long as you need to get to the next piece of equipment with the yeah. same part so uh, it's so much fun it's like maybe was it seven or maybe even up to 10 exercises in a row more it was 16 we did one day 16 <laughs> chest exercises did you have the biggest chest but, pump yes, in your life they don't have to be like oh it was like you couldn't even i did the shoulder one and he's like we usually don't do like this many exercises usually it's like you know seven and then then have a break and then do it again but yeah. he was just pushing us through and like after it, you just like couldn't even raise your arm up but i loved it it was just like the intensity was there like you wanted to die a little bit but it was nice you know no, that's really cool. I, I love that. And um, yeah, I've been, I've been a big fan of Milos for a long time. Ben, I haven't looked into his content as much, but I know that he's, he's very strict on form as well. That's something that I've taken from him. Mm. Um, Such and, a big technique person, yeah. Yeah, and probably, yeah, top three biggest legs in bodybuilding of all time, maybe, I would say. Yeah. Absolutely nasty. Sure. So, um, I want to go back to competing for a second as well. So we talked about your you know, goals business-wise with your coaching, where do you want to see it? Where do you want to take your physique and what's your ultimate goal with competing? <laughs> with competing, like, I feel like I've changed so much in the last two years to, like, I love competing. It is always going to be, like, my, my thing. But I'm ready to kind of step back in the next few years and just start living, you know. And not that, like, the last year has been amazing for me and the fact that I've been able to recreate a lot of connections with people around me and my family after doing this for so long and sacrificing a lot of that. So, you know, I would love, like the last prep was good because I was still able to do a lot of that stuff and and get the result that I wanted. So this prep is going to be the same. I'm going to see if I can just maintain my lifestyle, maintain my social life and do what I'm doing. You know, that's, that's like a goal for me to be able to do it all together. But competing wise, like, again, it's hard to know where I want to go with this. Like I really would love to win a world champion. Obviously that's like the, the thing. Um, and this year was going to be that, that chance. So, you know, I have to wait and see when they do it next. Hopefully it may be at the end of the year. Like we just don't yeah, know really was, at the I'll, moment. I was going to say, are they looking at postponing it to maybe, you know, past the Australian show in November, December. That would be really cool. I would, that would you know, be really cool. Yeah. What I would love to see is if they just said, you know what, we're scrapping the Australian pro show. We're turning that into worlds. Like, is that even a possibility? Yeah, that would right? be amazing. Like, <laughs> that's, I know. that's my like, logic because I mean, so many people here and too, and like, yeah, at the moment we can't fly anywhere. So they obviously can't do too much and it's hard not knowing about shows. I guess that's why I'm a little bit like, I don't know what I'm doing because you yeah, don't definitely. really know what's going to happen. So you, so you mentioned show, we talked off this off air when are you planning to compete next? In November for the Australian Pro Show. So it's yep. November 7th now, yeah. So was it like, what, 23 weeks out? Like, well, yeah, I would say it's almost that magical number like last time. Yeah, yeah. So like we, we kind of, 
but everyone did like the whole 20 week thing. Um, but then realized we got the show pushed back five weeks. So that was fantastic for a lot of people, especially my girls competing. But yeah, so like nothing, like again, like I think I put a post up the other day. I was like, nothing really changes for me. Like nothing really changes until like maybe we start dropping calories in like five or six weeks time. But we'll see how I go. Like the body's always changing and adapting. I never really know what we're going to do structure-wise because like I'm actually putting my calories up really high at the moment, which is really different and challenging for me. So we'll see how that goes in the next few weeks. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a big, without, I obviously don't know what you're doing, but I'm a big fan of putting calories up. I think most people underestimate how much they can eat while maintaining their weight. So I think that's a really good yeah. strategy. So um, a lot of these questions that I've, ha- that I've reading uh, from Instagram submissions. So one question that I have here is some people talk about politics in WBFF. Do you think that it exists? Look, I think if you go up on stage and you have an amazing body and you have what they want as an athlete, you're not going to get marked back because someone else knows the judge. I don't think that is ever something that would happen. Like they cannot deny, like when you go up, when, like, like you said before, when people go up on stage and they look amazing, like that's enough. You know, um, yeah. I think a lot of people go into any competition um, and they think it's a, it's a one, like a singular thing. Like they either have a good body or they have a good head or like, it's definitely not anything to do with social media. Like, Matt had zero followers and he still won his pro card like on the first show he competed. So, you know, it has nothing to do with followers. It has everything to do with, are you what they want as an athlete? Are, are you what they want to promote, you know, their company or their business, you know? So that's what I think I look at. And if that, and a lot of girls like, yeah, they'll have amazing body, but maybe like they're just not, you know, vibing what the judges want. And that's easy when you go up on stage and the girls are like have sour faces or mm. they're not smiling and stuff. That's a big one. Like you need to smile. You need to be happy. Like they want to see that you're enjoying being here. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. Posing in presentation, you know, and making sure that you're confident on stage. So speaking about that for a second, you know, are you a big fan of posing practice and how often would you practice leading up for the show? Um, like I honestly don't think you can put enough time into posing. Like you need to be doing that on a like weekly thing up until like six weeks out. And then you need to be stepping that up and doing it at least every few days. Like when I'm in the gym, especially six or five weeks out, I'm posing between sets. Like I'm posing at the start at the end. And like my, I have two coaches, but one of them, she's always like, you know, if you need to sacrifice a little bit of cardio for posing, do that. Like, posing on stage especially for like what I was looking like at the time like I didn't need to do more cardio I just needed to be confident on stage because you can have the best physique but if you go up there and you're wobbling around or you don't have that flow to your movements like you just won't get marked yeah as much as you want to you know well, you know, as I mentioned before, when I did see you compete and I was just like, it wasn't just your physique. I was like, oh, wow, she's in condition. Uh, your red outfit was really spot on. Tam was there. But yeah, your confidence definitely showed. And I think maybe when you do put in the work and you have built a good physique and you're in good condition, mm. the confidence is almost going to come naturally, provided that you've also yeah. been practicing posing. 100%. Like, and I, I think I remember telling someone backstage, they're like, are you nervous? And I was like, no, I'm not like I have put so much effort into this prep. I was ready four weeks ago. Like this is, this is how it should feel like. And I, I know 
I know how that feels in relation to not being ready because I've been there, you know, like when you know you're stepping <laughs> your side stage and like, Oh God, yeah. I'm not ready. Like that shows, you know, so, you know, I cannot stress enough, like longer like, prep, more, more posing, yeah. like confidence. I think they could almost make a meme out of you. This is what being confident looks like. <laughs> <laughs> it was so, it was weird. Like I've never felt so calm. Yeah. Um, cause I usually I'm like, mm, but I was just like, nah, I got this. Like, feels good. Yeah. Have nice they, have they, is there video footage of you posing or have you got that? Like a proper thing of you walking out at all? Not really. I think I do. Hey, I think I do. I think I have it in my phone somewhere. Yeah. You should, you should share it so people can sort of see what, like what I'm talking about. Cause I'm like, I'm very, very picky with what I see, but yeah. it was just like a knockout win. And even your partner, when he came out, I was like, what? It was just a, it was the same thing. <laughs> It was like super conditions, <laughs> super big. And I was just like, all right, well, that's, that's kind of over with. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a confidence. Like I remember seeing him post for the first time on stage in his first show. And I was like, I did not know that he could move like that. And it's, it's like, you see the guys get up on stage and again, you cannot stress like good posing to them, but they don't do it because maybe they don't want to be posing in front of people at the gym. Maybe they feel a bit self-conscious, but like just do it because even if you have, the best body, like if you're posing shit, you're not going to show it off the way that you want to. Yeah. So with your confidence now, because obviously, you know, the confidence has come with you putting in the work. Is that something that you found you built over time? And was there a point in time where you weren't so confident as a person? Yeah, I think I go through like this all year. You know, I'm not ever, I think a lot of people think that, you know, athletes are like confident all the time. We love the way we look and stuff like that but that's not true for a lot of us like um and i can speak from a few of us in this household like it's something that it's not built on the way that you look like no matter if i'm the shreddedest person in the world i was still doubting myself and the way that i looked throughout that entire prep like it doesn't come with being lean it doesn't come with being skinny it doesn't come with being jacked it comes with you know the words that you tell yourself and how you anchor that to yourself you know so you know i could be 75 kilos and be confident as hell it just comes down to how i think about myself yeah that, that's amazing what was um what was your stage weight by the way and what is your like typical let's say let's call it off season weight off, off season. um <laughs> you're never you're never really off season but <laughs> for the audience you know they have an off season yeah <laughs> so like i on stage was about 60 61 yeah. Um, I probably dropped a little bit lower for that UK show after because I went straight over and competed in, in fitness there. I was probably like 58, 59 on, on that stage. Mm-hmm. But I sit at around 66, 67 in this off-season. Like off-seasons prior hasn't have never been this good. I probably would sit at around 70, which is too big for me. Like I'm only a very short human. So, you know, this off-season's been good. And the one before that was actually good too. But yeah, 66. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing to take home for any people that are listening. You're not that far off stage weight. So you're obviously doing a long prep and you could probably get in shape losing half a kilo a week. So you're giving yourself so much time to be prepared, which obviously is going to be a less stressful experience. Is this something that you also recommend for your clients to do? hundred percent, especially if it's their first show. Like I know a lot of people think, Oh no, just eight weeks or 12 weeks, eight weeks like 12 weeks, just smash it in. Like, it'll be awesome. Like go hard. Um, yeah, I think that works for some people. And I think in the past it's worked for me if I haven't been in the right mindset, but longer prep for beginners, for my girls that are all bikini athletes, 
I think it's better because then they have they have room to fuck up because they're going to do it anyway. You know, yeah. to think that you can go through a prep and not screw up. Like, are you superhuman? Because I'm not. <laughs> so, like, if I give them 20 weeks, that allows them, you know, four to screw around in, you know, 10 to be in a deficit, the rest to be just kind of refeeds and things like that. So, yeah, longer preps are always better in my opinion. Yeah. So um, what's are some of the mistakes you could perhaps tell people when it comes to bodybuilding that you might've made and what are the, some of the big must do's? Some of the mistakes is not giving yourself enough time to be on, on stage. Um, fucking around on my diet. It, it's something that you can't screw up on, you know, stop trying to overcompensate in training, stop trying to overcompensate on cardio. Just look at what you're eating and control that. And that's a really big one. I think that's like the biggest one. And I know that's hard for a lot of people because I've been there for such a long time when you're like, no, I can just out train it. I can just out cardio it. And then you're sitting there eating all of your week's worth of calories in one sitting. So that's one big one. Comparisons to other people, like just don't do it. It's, it's what a lot of people do, but we also have to realize that everyone is at different stages of their journeys and it's mm-hmm. so unfair to compare yourself. Like even me against all the girls in my in my like um, division, we're at totally different stages of our journeys. Like we've been doing this different times to each other, doing different things. So I still don't compare myself against them. What's another one? Less is sometimes more. <laughs> and yep. then you have to know, like you have to know when you need to push and you, know, you need to know when you need to draw back. But I guess like getting a good coach is like the most amazing thing that you could do for yourself. Like don't cheap out on coaches. Like Mm -hmm. the cheapest coach is not the best coach. So just don't do it because competing is something that isn't always healthy. And we need people that are looking after our health, not just the way that we look because we need to be in this body for a lot longer than 12, 14 weeks. Yeah. Big time. Uh, Yeah. No, I I love, (laughs) absolutely love that answer. Yeah. That's, that's a big answer. That's, that's that's the right answer. Big, big asterisks there. Uh, So, Someone actually asked, do you feel your physique could do better in another federation? I get this all the time. Like I, I get the question, like, will you go to IFBB and all this kind of stuff? Honestly, like it isn't to me, like, you know, if I go there, I know it's hard. A lot of people like think of it politically, but I think about it in like, you know, my career, if I was to go to another federation, I'd have to start from essentially the bottom again which isn't a bad thing, but like I'm, I'm at that stage in my life where, yeah, I probably want to have a family and that's not yeah. going to, you know, not, not going to be appropriate for me to do bodybuilding for six more years and then think about that when I'm like 35, you know? So um, I think health a lot more than I ever have. Yeah. And I guess at the beginning of all this, I was probably like, yeah, I want to go Olympia. Like that would be awesome. Fuck yeah. And then now I'm like, ah. <laughs> like I like my body too much right now to do that for another six or seven years. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. And and you got, I mean, you've got still, you want to win a WBFF world championship. So I think that's the number one goal for you to yeah. push towards, which I think is definitely, you know, achievable, you know, very, very soon. Um, one question that we have here as well is, so have you and your partner, um, so having worked with you and your partner in the same industry, um, how do you have such a healthy relationship? <laughs> We have a healthy relationship. Like, I think they're like any relationships, you know, it's, it's, we always try and be really honest with people on social media and things like that about the fact that we're just human and and we're not always happy chappy, but you Mm. know, we have a good amount of respect for each other, which I think is like the underlying 
thing that should be why relationships work or not you know like we understand each other enough to the point that like I know when to leave him alone and he knows when to leave me alone we both work together and train together and live in the same house together so it's, it's all like a lot sometimes you know what I mean but I think that's like any relationship but you're with someone because you love spending time with them so that's the biggest thing that we always kind of have to go back to is like why are we with each other relationships aren't prisons if I didn't like being in it I wouldn't be in it that is legit relationships aren't prisons I actually never heard anyone say that before that is like that is so good um <laughs> but both of you did the said another question on Instagram uh, both of you did the pro show uh, in October and yeah. how did you manage prepping and did you enjoy the prepping together yeah 100 like I wouldn't actually prep without him if he was prepping by himself I would probably go live somewhere else, you know, like, because we're on the same page at that stage. Yeah. You're, you're both grinding <laughs> like, and getting after it. Yeah. Like I, and we don't push each other. Like we're not those people to, you know, poke each other when we're down and stuff. So, you know, if I was having a bad day, which happened quite frequently, he would be usually up and be like, all right, let's get a gym. Let's do this. And then if he was having a bad day, like vice versa. So it was good. Um, there was very rarely days we were both down. <laughs> Most of the time we're either like one or the other or both up, which is handy. But yeah, no, it was fine. Like, yeah, I wouldn't prep with, with just one of us because one of us would be like, oh, I want to go out for dinner or, you know, I'd be like, I want to go out with the girls. And he'll be like, I'm just sitting here <laughs> eating fish and shit. So nah, it's, yeah. it's easier when it's together. So much easier. The experience would be so much cooler as well, doing it with your partner and then obviously getting such a good result because you're both winning. And did it feel like you almost won twice because you both were so successful? It did. It was really good. Like, and I remember seeing him compete and win like the first time when we were just friends. And that felt like that at the time. I was just like, what the fuck? This is your first show and you won your pro card. Like, this is crazy. And then, yeah, we did the Australian show and then he went overseas or we both went overseas after that and he won his UK one as well. So, you know, it was really good. It was really good. But I, again, I, like, I'm pretty like, I was stuck in the mind frame at one point after the UK show and I had come third, I think, in, in fitness that I had yeah. to step down to, which I was obviously way too big for. Yeah. And I was just like shitty. And then he came out, he's like, I won. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> that is so funny. Why did you step down to fitness in that? They didn't have figure available? They didn't have figure over there, yeah. Was that something that you knew prior to committing to going over? <laughs> I like I actually registered like booked my flight booked our accommodation went to register and I was like ah there's uh, no figure here yeah yeah, yeah okay because yeah I mean if I was an athlete I would just assume that there's going to be figure as well so that makes sense that mm. you would too okay yeah because like, exactly. I, I there's that. a lot of girls that really could have gone up to figure like there's big girls in it that didn't fit in the federation didn't fit in that division either but I don't think it's been a big enough division for a long enough time for them to do a division for it, if that makes sense. Yeah, because you mentioned, you know, your stage weight, 60-61, and you yeah. went to about 58 for that show. So was that, do you think you lost a bit of muscle or you was more like you didn't try to carb up as much? Yeah, I carved up so much for that Australian show. I was carved to my eyeballs, but I think I lost size. I was like lean. I didn't, I didn't even do body fat testing. That's mm. I just go off how I feel. I, yeah, I was lean for like six weeks, like stage lean for six weeks prior to this show and show. And then I was 
lean again for four weeks after that. So I was just, I think I was just losing muscle in between. I was probably just flat as well. I was sick between uh, those two shows, which wasn't ideal. So yeah, yeah, it wasn't a good time. But, but it's, it's like it. <laughs> first world problems. I'm sick. I'm losing muscle. I'm still too big for a category. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's great. I knew I wasn't going to win, but it was still fun anyway. Yeah. Um, there's a question here. What challenges have you personally faced being in lockdown and have you enjoyed, let's call it isolation? Isolation was something that we'd been doing for a very long time prior to it being called isolation. I mean, like yeah. um, the only time we leave this unit is when we go to the gym or go for go to the beach. So yeah, no, it didn't really change. Like other than the gym's being locked down, that was the biggest thing. And I'm actually so proud with how we dealt with it. Uh, but we had to be like the, the, you know, the light for our clients to be like, it's okay. You will survive. You know, I, I only had like three sets of dumbbells and a barbell and that's all I have, you know? So the biggest challenge was just adapting, but I'm pretty adaptive when I, when I just put my mind to it. So it hasn't been too bad. Like not having the gym sucked, but that's okay. You know, shit yeah. happens. Uh, definitely. So <laughs> I was going to say to you, what have you been doing for training? Um, since you've been in isolation and do you think you've put on some size or was it really mainly maintenance mode? Yeah. Um, look, I think like, I feel like I've lost size. I actually, like as soon as isolation happened, I, I was talking to my coaches and I'm like, what do we want to do? Do we want to put me in a maintenance or do we want to like use this time to maybe just cut down a few kilos? Like I have to keep myself interested. I'm that person that I always need to have a goal. So we put my, we put, Initially, we did like a four-week cut at the start of um, ISO, and I just teamed that with like we're doing five days a week in the home gym, um, and it was all like unilateral movements. It was three lower body, two two upper body, um, no extra cardio and stuff like that. I just go for a walk for cardio, and yeah, so we did four weeks of a cutting phase, and then after that, I was just like, okay, time to start building calories for you know overseas for end of year. Sorry, not overseas. But yeah, that was pretty much what we did. I just didn't want to put too much calories in knowing that I don't have the equipment that I usually would and therefore it would go to pretty much fat yeah. mass. So yeah. um, you're, you're I, I know doing, when's enough's enough, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Because you're not doing enough volume in training and I suppose it's also hard to stay motivated during this time as well, given that it's like, oh, I'm, I'm only going to be maintaining or could potentially lose some size. Like how did you yeah. overcome that sort of side okay. of things? I have different focuses. So I've been really working on bringing up my left glute, my left quad. Like it's just strangely unbalanced to the other side. Nothing, no reason. Like it's, I think I've- Hopefully no judges are listening. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be able to see it in my photos. I'll be like, what the fuck? Um, yeah, so I've just been doing a lot of like unilateral stuff and I've been really working on, like I just put in my head, I'm like, I want bigger glutes. Even though I have like big glutes, I'm like, they need to be bigger just that's that's a goal so i was doing yeah working on my imbalances i was working on my glutes that was that was my goal for the isolation i think that's such probably probably the smartest decision to that one can make is to work on any asymmetry balances with um you know your overall because obviously you have a champion mindset you've you know winning pro card most people can't win a pro card then obviously winning a pro show and having ambition to win a world title where do you think your motivation comes from it's hard like I have this big thing that I'm always like I like I don't rely on motivation but obviously it's there 
I just thought I love seeing the, the like your body change. And I love getting to a point where you think that you can't go past. And then I love going past that. So, you know, I'm super excited to like get to the point where I got to last prep and just bust through that and go like one step deeper and see what happens, you know? So I guess that's my, um, my motivation is just pushing myself as far as I possibly can. Yeah. So one of the questions I have here, this is going to be interesting. So who's your favorite WBFF pro? Well, Hattie Boydell, of course. Oh, that's, that was easy. Look how quick that was. <laughs> <laughs> Forget about everybody else. Forget, don't worry about Hattie it. wins by a landslide, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so is she your, I suppose she's probably your favorite person as a, as a pro, but is she also your favorite yeah. athlete and physique? Yeah. Like physique wise, like if I could take bits of people and put them together as like a superhuman, Let's do it. Um, I would... <laughs> <laughs> I would honestly take like Hattie's legs. I'd take um, Ash's bum. Yeah. And I'd make a superhuman out of Hattie and Ash, pretty much. Like if you could just and Ash's shoulders and back and and little waist, and yeah, I'm good. We're gonna make like, a, that would be a perfect. A COVID <laughs> COVID nineteen Australian cyborg. And then Hattie's calf. Yeah, Hattie, yeah, Hattie's calves, geez. Like the, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Hattie's got some crazy calves. I need to get some calves like that. I should ask yeah, her, how, to, how do I grow some calves? But I think she's had them for as long as, I don't know. Oh, wow. She probably came out of the womb with calves like that. She did. She was all calves. So what about amateur competitors? Do you see anyone that is coming up, maybe even one of your clients that you think can do major damage should they get a pro card in the future? I don't really actually look at social media too much, to be honest with you. So, like, I don't – I should really look at who's coming up. I have, a, like, a few amazing clients. I have one, um, Georgina, that she is just, like, the most amazing natural body that I've ever seen in my life. And, like, um, she just gets lean so easy and we've been able to build her calories up and play with her, you know, manipulation of macros. And it's been a really good time. So I'm excited to see how she goes on stage. Um, but again, like with her first, first show, I never put, I try not to put any like, you know, I need to play. I don't like the words when they say like, I want to win a pro card or I want to place like, because that's not always going to happen, you know? And like, even mm. if you have the best body in the world, putting that kind of expectation in yourself is kind of setting yourself up for failure. So why don't you just go out there and be the best human that you can be or the best version of you and allow that to be what they judge, you know? Yeah. So what, what category yeah. is she entering as well? She's doing bikini, but I kind of, she's like, a lot of girls are in between the, the fitness and bikini. A lot of them. And maybe, I think that's probably why they're doing more of the yeah, wellness. I was going to say, maybe, yeah, hit her up um, in the wellness category. Cause I think that, you know, they're probably like maybe the super conditioned bikini competitors would do well in wellness. That's what I'm thinking mm. might happen. Obviously with yeah. also bigger leg size. Yeah, wellness is a different category, isn't it? Like I was watching wellness and IFBB and it's a bit different to our own wellness, obviously. Yeah, but it's it's completely like people use the word wellness in WBF. I'm like, no, it's not the same as IFBB. Don't look at IFBB. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> different, yeah. This is not the same, people. Like, please. I, I think we're going to have a lot of problems coming into it because of the fact that they use the name in both, you know what I mean? So like, um, yeah, and it was hard to, to get the criteria and we'll be like, so is it, it's a big bikini, but leaner, let bigger legs. So it'll be good. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. So I, I just want to reiterate, I would say I for be wellness would be more like 
freakazoid Godzilla legs versus wellness would be uh, WBFF wellness would be more, I suppose, big legs, but not just super freaky. That would be, yeah. probably be my answer. And that's like a really yeah. difficult thing to visualize, but I would say, yeah, WBFF is more streamlined, but big legs. Uh, I for me yeah. is definitely more freaky. Yeah. I think it's like a bigger, bigger bikini or in WBFF, a bigger bikini, but not as lean as the fitness. Yeah, and then would, a smaller upper body, right? Yeah, that, that would make sense. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's, hope so. <laughs> let, let's hope we're right anyway. Otherwise, people are going to blame us later <laughs> uh, on. True se- season exactly. B. <laughs> <laughs> so but they funny. said this. <laughs> so I've got a question here. When you're not in contest prep, what inspires you or what motivates you to continue training? And obviously you sort of touched on that a little bit before when you're talking about muscle imbalances and working on your glutes. So outside of that, is there anything else that you like to focus on to stay on? Well, let's say to yeah. continue the process. The proverbial track. Yeah, the track. <laughs> a track that everyone falls on and off of. Look, I, this is a big thing. and I'm really passionate about this actually. It's like that a lot of people compete for the wrong reasons and a lot of people compete because they want to compete. And I understand that that sounds stupid, but you know, you should want to compete because you love to train because you love pushing yourself because you love challenging yourself. Like I don't think anyone should be dieting and training just for the purpose of competing. Yeah. You know, and if you are just doing those two things for competing, you know, what the hell are you doing the rest of the year and, and why are you doing it? And I guess that's a question that they need to ask themselves. Like I compete because I love to train. I compete because I love to push myself and, it, and it's a platform for me. It's not, it's not the reason why I do things, you know? So, you know, if, if there wasn't a, a show, like the whole thing when, when ISO happened and all these shows went up in flames, yes, it was a really upsetting time for a lot of people. But I think a lot of people were like, oh, well, why should I diet and train now? And yeah, like, it's, yes, I, I didn't get that. It's like, yeah, people are talking about, I'm not going to train. I'm like, what? Like, it's, yeah. isn't that supposed to be like your me time and like the time where you feel good and you let some steam out yeah. and you still want your physique to look good. Like, I mean, that's why anyone starts yeah. training to begin with, right? It's like, I don't think anyone literally day one in the gym goes, I want to compete right they're like I oh, there is i feel like there is a oh, there lot is? though oh there is okay well i don't just know <laughs> trying to compete you know so they won in the um, gym can you I'm imagine competing. oh wow no i need yeah. to talk to these people i need to wring their neck yeah but i think it's because of like the hype that a lot of social media has drawn to it it's like glitz and glamour you wear a bikini you look fantastic like you know why wouldn't you but then like looking back yeah i my my big motivators were people like bodybuilders and Daniel and Bailey who trained to train, you know, they trained because they loved it. It's like an extension of themselves. It's not, they're doing certain things to compete. And yeah, that's the thing. Like when the whole ISO thing happened and everyone's like, Oh, what are you going to do now? And I'm like, I'm just going to keep training. <laughs> yeah. I'm going like, to find a way. To <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. I, I didn't have any equipment at all. And I was like, Oh, Damn it. So I went to the park, I was doing like pull-ups and push-ups. And I was like, I need to order some equipment. Yeah. And then you realize everything's sold out and you're just like, okay, you work around that. You figure yeah. it out. You don't just sort of quit. And then Facebook marketplace. <laughs> exactly. And then you keep refreshing pages like a psychopath because you're waiting for something to come up. <laughs> <laughs> Calling then, them. So when do you think the next shipment will be? I'll exactly. Be there. Exactly. Because you're, you're committed to the process and you want to, you know, you don't want to stop the journey. It's just a speed bump yeah. and people sort of, 
I think it's easy to make an excuse and like, oh, I'm not going to do season B now or I'm going to stop because yeah. I haven't been training. Well, you, you can train. It's yeah. not that hard make to... Make it happen. Exactly. It's not that hard to keep things moving. It, it It's easy to quit, you yeah. know? It's easy to quit. And I think a lot of people People have, always want to find like the, the path of least resistance, right? <laughs> oh, definitely. Absolutely. With um, your, going back to your the Australian Pro Show win, um, what was your feedback from the judges? if you've received any of the pro back at the first show or the, the so Australian the, champ one. Yeah. The Australian champ in October last year. So when you won the, pro uh, show. not to get any bigger, but that was actually, so that was my, U, my UK. Oh no. Yeah. So it was the same. So I went to UK after the Australian pro, the Australian championship one. Mm-hmm. Um, and my feedback from, from Paul and Alison at that stage was not to get any bigger. Okay. Which is so, fine for me. So what, so what, you know, like I find it so interesting, like when you do get feedback like that, that's okay. Like I don't want to be bigger, but what do I need to do to win a world championship? You know what I mean? Like, tell me. Yeah. <laughs> did, it wasn't did it... like, it was actually really good feedback. Like I didn't, they didn't really say anything to like that. I needed to change anything in particular. It was pretty much like come as you are now and like you're sweet. But as we know, like, I never really listen when people say like, you know, you, you won this, if you do this, you win this, if you do this, because you know, things change, you know, people turn up on a day different. Maybe they didn't have a good prep or, you know, it's like, so I just go, okay, so they liked how I look. I'm just going to aim for something around this, but better. Yeah. I love how you, you know, going back to what you mentioned before you've been working. It's like, okay, cool. I could just be lazy and drop the ball and pretend like I'm awesome and come in the same, but you're like, no, I want to fill out my glutes a little bit. I'm going to work on my imbalances. So automatically yeah. you're going to be better. And that comes from self-assessment. So I think a lot of ladies and athletes need to consider not just listening to judges feedback, but critique your physique in a way and don't put yourself down. Don't be like, Oh, my glutes are shit. Big difference between saying yeah. my glutes are shit versus I'm going to improve my glutes. Mm. Positive, positive reassurance. Like, and I think so many people are not honest with themselves about the feedback that they get or how they look on stage. Like I swear, like every time I've competed, I can always be like, I know exactly what I need to change. It's either like I needed to be like this much leaner or I needed to have this much more muscle in my, like my delts or something. But it blows me away. So many girls come off stage and they're like, Oh, I don't know why I didn't win. I'm like, can you not see it? Cause I can see it. Like, yeah. And I think it's like being self-aware and I always, what I used to do when I wasn't, if I wasn't winning, or if I came second, or if I came third, I'll look at the girl that came first and I'll be like, okay, what do I need to do? Or I'd always look at the person that was the pro in my division and be like, that's what they want. What is the difference between me and that person? I absolutely and love work that. On that. Yeah, that is yeah. so good because you're going, okay, that's the standard right now. I'm not there yet, but this, that's where I need to go. And that's at least gives you an idea of where you need to go and where you need to push towards. And I wanted to ask you, what do you think you need to do right now to win a world title? Personally, to win a world title, look, I actually really, really, really enjoyed my physique last prep. Not saying that wasn't anything to work on. I really would love to say, I'd want, I want to work on my carving up this time and see if maybe I can come in a bit fuller. I know I was extremely lean and I lost yeah. my face, which I don't like at all. Yeah. But yeah, I think there's just a few things like, the face thing is a huge thing for me because I just get so gaunt in my face and that's just how it is. But I was looking at um, your Instagram uh, this morning. I was just scrolling through photos 
as much as I loved your conditioning, I did think that you could have been definitely a bit fuller, but it's like, yeah. at the same time, it's an interesting venture because it's like, all right, do I push the carbs a bit more to come in fuller? But the judges yeah. are saying, hold on, we like your size. So it's, it's kind of like a hit and miss. Like, yeah. what, you know, what would you prefer to see from a judge's point of view? But fullness is awesome from a bodybuilding point of view, but is that what they yeah. are going to reward and is that what they like? They want. Yeah, exactly. And like, honestly, the night before it was such like me and Matt was sitting around a bloody bowl of rice, just like <laughs> eating ourselves stupid. We couldn't even stop. It was just like, we understood we were like, we had the bodies that we wanted and we're like, you know, I pushed it. I'm like, you know, if, if we could fuck it up, we probably would have fucked it up last night and we didn't. And that was a big turning point for me. Cause so many people are like, no, I can only have 250 grams of rice and that is it because if I have 255 grams, I'm going to spill over and look like shit. And I'm like, I think I had like two kilograms of rice that night and yeah. I still woke up and I was like, ah. That's so, so funny. I, I don't understand people that, that talk that way. It's like, you know, how do you know the limit of your body? I think most people underestimate the amount of carbs they can have, whether it's male or female. Mm. But speaking about females right now, it's like, it's, I don't think most people really push it as much as they need to like very rarely does one spill over yeah exactly and if you have spilled over it's probably not even spilling over it's probably that you weren't lean enough to begin with you know and that's why you look a bit fluffy and that comes down to being like ready for the show you know so that that's we really tested it this time and i'm really glad we did because it it got rid of all these kind of preconceived ideas that i had around um water loading preconceived ideas about i had carb loading like a lot of stuff that I was like, no, you need to be doing this. And I test them like, ah, nah, like you don't, it's just about being ready and lean enough. Like that was the biggest take home from this comp. Yeah. So I want to actually talk about that. So you mentioned, you know, consistency in the lead up in, in peak week. Uh, could you talk about maybe what you did previously, maybe when you won your pro card or the LA show that you did with Asha, what did you do with that prep considering that you tried something new this time? So like those preps, the, the one with Asher, I was doing, that was an eight week prep. I had come back from Thailand. I was extremely inflamed. I like, just as a mess of a human person, human person. Um, and I did eight weeks, like hectic, big deficit, very little. I had like cheat days at that point, not cheat days, but um, like high carb days, not refeeds. And they weren't more consecutive than two days in a row. It was just one refeed at a time because I just didn't have time like I left myself so short for that and I was like let's just do it um, and I got in amazing condition considering that was just the most rushed prep that I've ever had in my life my cortisol would have been through the roof the entire time like I just didn't have this idea even in that that time when people would be like oh you should be more experienced like I handle myself differently than I handle my clients you know what I mean but every every prep that I do has taught me something that I can teach to them as well and yeah that one was rushed I was stressed I was moving houses yeah it was it was, it was a good prep considering I got in that good position but I was tired and worn by the end of that one so that's why like coming into this prep I'm like I'm doing it and I'm doing double the time plus I am using more recovery modalities I'm prioritizing rest and sleep and all these things that you need to be doing and yeah, and then prep before that was exactly the same as the, the like the Vegas prep. It was just rushed and, and big deficit. I always leave it way too late. I'm like, no, no, I won't compete this year. And then I'll get to like eight weeks. And I'm like, okay, let's go. <laughs> yeah. And I thought at that time, like for ages, that that was the way that I needed to prep. But it's not like it was changing 
how I looked at that and I was like, I actually changed the whole way that I thought about dieting and everything like that. Those few years back, like I was in the same mindset that, you know, we had an off season and we had an on season and in the off season, I wasn't tracking. I wasn't doing anything beneficial for myself at all. I was just pretty much just eating a whole heap of food that I thought was healthy, but I had no like tracking of that. I wasn't monitoring that at all. So since I've started monitoring my off season, tracking everything that I eat, you know, still allowing myself flexibility, but just doing it in more of a controlled fashion. That's when I've found the, the best ever result that I've ever had. Yeah. With, um, you, you mentioned before, um, recovery. So, and you trained, you know, with, with intuition. So when do you know that you're going a little bit overboard with training volume and when to have a day off? What are some of the signs so, that you might get? So I still like now I have the structure that Mark gives me within in like reps and sets and stuff like that. But in saying that I sometimes I go to the gym and I will intuitively be like, you know, he said 10, but today I feel like doing more volume, lighter weights, you know, I just kind of listen to how I feel. And in relation to like, how do I know when to do that kind of stuff? I think after so many years, you know, when you're sore and you know, when you can push through and you know, when you, you shouldn't, you know, like if it's, to me, like I feel, if I feel empty and depleted and I like, I feel like it hurts, you know, that's when I know that I need to draw back. But if it's just sore because I've been like working it, that's different, you know, and there's different types of sore. I guess it's hard to explain, but I think you know what I mean. Like, yeah. you know, when you're being lazy, you know, when you need to push. So that's what I really keep in mind. And if my sleep is good, then that's fine. As soon as my, my sleep is off, that's when I'll start looking at pulling back on some of my training. Yeah, I think, yeah, probably my experience or interpretation would be if I'm rolling out of bed, my body's just aching. I'm like, okay, maybe I need a day off because mm. you can barely walk and that's going to need some extra <laughs> extra calories for recovery. <laughs> but if you've got a few, your know, chest is sore, your glutes are sore, that's normal doms, then yeah. you're good to go. Yeah, exactly. So you spoke about cortisol before. Maybe, you know, obviously now moving into this contest period, you have, you have a long contest prep. Is there anything else outside of that, that you help that you use to help stress management and cortisol? Um, well, uh, I like cortisol is such a big thing for a lot of competitors, but I think again, it's like a lot of people go, Oh no, I'm stressed. And that's why I'm not getting the results that I want. I think that's like relevant for some people, but like I personally, I can manage a whole heap of stress and still get results. You know, like I've had higher stress, years and ridiculous toxic situations that I've been in and I've still been able to get results so I think that's like you know individuals can handle stress differently but definitely like I know when mine's getting too high and I will go for I go for a walk every morning that's like my thing if I don't do that I really rarely don't do it like I'll I'll put back work to go for that walk because if I'm not you know, centering myself before I start the day, it is not a good time for anyone and it's not going to serve anyone, you know? So I, yeah. So walking, I do a lot of breathing. We do like, we try and do like a little bit of meditation before we go to bed, but I use an app called Headspace, which like does the pre-recorded kind of meditation and stuff. And if I feel like I'm just, it's getting too much, which it does sometimes with work and stuff, as you can imagine, like, well, as you know, like it just, it kind of gets too much and overwhelming. So I just need to put that on and zen out for like five minutes and I'm sweet. But yeah, it's like a lot of just things like that I enjoy because I think a lot of people are like, oh no, I need to do yoga and oh, I need to do this. And But if you don't find joy in that and if you're not actually relaxing during it, 
it's not going to work, you know. So finding modalities like that work for you is, is a really important thing. Definitely. I'm a big fan. I never used to be, but I'll just go for a walk during the day just to, not for anything, but just to have a break and I'll try not to be on my phone. So I'll leave my phone just at home and I'll walk around the neighborhood and just get some fresh air, go to the park and be alone with my own thoughts. Cause sometimes if you're going for a walk, you're like, it's so easy to be like, Oh, I'm going to put this on my story. And I've done that many times. And then I'm like, hold on a second. Why am I doing this for? I don't need to show people that I'm going for a walk. I need to be present in the moment. moment. Yeah. And then have be alone with my own thoughts. And then I find since I've been doing that, I come back and I'm ready to work or just a lot more focused. And I feel, I don't know. I just feel good about myself. hundred percent. And I think it's like, I do it all the time. Like this morning, I actually caught myself going, why the fuck am I filming the sunrise? Why can't I just look at it and be present in it? And like, yeah, it's, it's something that I think everyone just needs to work on on a daily basis. Like yeah, um, but having that a, time off away of technology. Yeah. When you do have a good sunset though, you do need to show people. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like, look at this. <laughs> this is amazing. Look at this, everybody. But you're like, Oh, hold on. I need to be doing this for me. Sometimes, you know, yeah. it's, it's so, I think it's when you do serve people, it's naturally like, it's a natural thing to want to be like, look at this. Yeah. Like, you want to share the good experience and the good vibe. Yeah. But I think, you know, you probably need to be a bit more selfish sometimes with yourself to make sure that you're feeling yeah. good. Cause you're so focused on other people feeling good. Yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, you know, you need to just fill up your own cup before you, you know, give to other people. That's the biggest yeah. thing. That's like my biggest problem. Definitely. But I've, I'm slowly changing that. <laughs> So uh, we spoke off there about your sponsors. So, you know, who are you sponsored with at the moment? So I have Muscle Nation, which does um, the apparel and the subs and everything like that. They're more like a family to me. I've like known them since I, they started pretty much. So it's been amazing to watch them grow. Just take over everything. Yeah, it's been like unreal. So and they started in like their grandma's like house and now we've changed like four different warehouses in the last two years or three years. So it's been crazy, but they're really good. They're really like a young bunch of people, which I love. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, I remember like when I used to work at the Arnold, they used to have like the first booth was probably maybe a six by six, I think it would have been, which is like pretty yeah. decent sized booth. The last one they had was just like absolute Godzilla. <laughs> like, I can't remember how big it was. It was, it was yeah, huge. I, I think it was like two 12 by 12s or something like that, which is just insane for an Australian expo. Yeah. Maybe overseas they do that, but they've exploded. Yeah. And then I remember at that, I was like, hold on a second. Like they're doing supplements now. And yeah. next thing you know, that this sort of taken over, which is cool. I like it. I like um, something new, fresh. And um, the guys there are pretty good guys too. Yeah. They're really fun. Like it, it's, the, I, I did a lot of brands like with promoting when I was before them and it was different brands and it was always like, here, give like here, promote my product and I'll like give you money and shit like this. And this is the first brand that I've just felt like I don't need to promote and I don't need to push on people because it's like comes from such a genuine place. And, you know, I have a lot of girls, especially like in social on social media, ask me like, you know, like, um, I have, I'm of this brand. Like, should I be promoting? I'm like, if you like their stuff, yeah. then promote them. Don't promote someone because they're giving you something. Like you have to actually genuinely like it. And then it comes across like that. You, you know, the people that are promoting something that they don't like when they're like, yeah, <laughs> 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 they're just, uh, there's just no emotion. Uh, 
But yeah. I find that interesting. I, I think people are so excited to get a sponsorship or for something, you know, to be an affiliate or whatever you like to call it. Yeah. And they'll accept anything because it's free. And it's like, hold on. Like mm. you're actually yeah. selling your time to this company or these people and you're not even really a true fan of their product. Like you're wasting your time right now. And it doesn't feel good. Yeah. If you're not, it doesn't come from a place of authenticity because you're probably not yeah. going to use the product anyway. It's like, what are you doing? You're losing credibility. Yeah. Exactly. And people see that on social media. They don't respond to that anymore. I don't think it's like, Hey, use this fat burner. <laughs> Cause I do <laughs> like, yeah. no, it's, it's not how social media works anymore. I don't think like, I think it's going so far away from that, which is nice. Like I, I hated those ones that were just like someone sitting next to a tub of protein kind of thing. And you're like, what are you doing? Yeah. Just exactly. use it, you know, talk about it genuinely. That's how you get this out. You know, it's not about, putting a photo up on Instagram, like talk to your mates about it. Yeah. Especially like, I mean, even Instagram's evolved so much. I remember, you know, when they didn't even have stories back then, I guess that was the only option to post that type of style of photo. But now it's like, all right, talk about your story, like your story, like on your story and say, Oh, like I like this flavor. I don't like this flavor or I'm addicted to this product, but then explain why it benefits you and be real. And then people are like, okay, cool. Like I respond really well to that, you know? Yeah. if you're sponsored by some a company and you're like, I prefer this flavor over this flavor, like it's a it's a real thing. Everyone has favorites, and I think it's important for people just to be real, and then it's accepted really yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. off off air, you also mentioned your bikini sponsors. Who's that? Glamfit. So Glamfit, I have known for nearly going like nine years now. Well, I guess eight years of science. They're how amazing. You, they um. Yeah. How, how did you first get to know them? Because um, because they're based in Adelaide, right? Yeah, it was really strange. I actually, I think I did like an ICN comp and I had one of the, I bought one of their bikinis secondhand and I tagged them in it and one of my photos and, and they sponsored me from my first comp, which was like, at that time I was like, uh, what? <laughs> like at the time, um, I, IMBA was like, like $150. Like they weren't even that expensive. Like now they're like a thousand dollars for a bikini, you know, like in, in couture and stuff, which is amazing. But, um, you know, I was just like, I'm no one. I have nothing to give you. Like I had 300 people that followed me on bloody, you know, Instagram. So, you know, I, I've been really trusting with them. I pretty much just go to them at the start of the year. And I'm like, I'm doing this show. You do whatever you want to do with that bikini because you know, you're the ones that are professional at it. Well, they hit, hit the, hit it out of the park with that red outfit last year. Oh. Like, wow. You had, you know, you had the physique, you had the outfit, the confidence, but <laughs> like, I actually haven't seen a figure competitor. That would have to be, I would say, top three outfits I've ever seen. Ah, oh, thank you. It was amazing. Like I put it on the night before. Actually, it only arrived the night before to like their hotel thing. So I was stressing out about a little bit, but I put it on and just started crying. I was like, I told you that I wanted like a Phoenix cross of Victoria's Secret, and this is what you gave me, and I love it so much. Yeah, good. No, they they do. And I was saying to you as well, like I might as well just give them a shout out. Like I had um, some comp robes made by another company. I won't say who they are because I'm not going to put them down, but I wasn't really happy with the quality. And then Glamfit came up and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try them out. Amazing quality for robes. So anyone that's listening, like if you want a robe for like backstage, definitely use them because really good quality, but just really good customer service as well. So when we're talking off air, I was like, oh, that's awesome. You use them because... I've had a really good experience with them and I know that their quality of bikinis is really kick-ass. So. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, amazing. I'm just thinking, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about or we're pretty much good? 
I'm pretty much good. Yeah, because that was like, it was probably like an hour and 20 minutes or so. <laughs> Not too bad. No, good. That was pretty good. For anyone that doesn't follow you, what's your Instagram? I think most people would follow you, but we might as well give your Instagram out here. <laughs> it is Emily underscore King Bodies. Okay, beautiful. And thank you for coming on, by the way. You've actually, you know, provided a lot of really key valued information. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. So uh, that's another episode done. If you have any questions about this podcast, please feel free to DM me. For those who don't follow me, you can follow me at Troy J Thornton. And if there are any people out there that have topics or questions, or if you would like any guests, specific guests on future episodes, please feel free to send me a direct message. Until next time, thank you for listening and peace.